Hi, my name's Charlie Denham. I'm a competitive surfer, lifeguard, and rescue diver. Welcome to Surf Great, Surf Safe. Whether you're a microgram, grom mom, competitor, or big wave surfer, we have something for you. Each of our videos and podcasts are composed of three elements. How to surf better on the way to greatness, how to prevent and care for harm of surfers, and how to prevent harm to our wonderful ocean and coastlines. All surfers love to learn how to improve their craft. So we have great experts who will share best practices in training, competing, and use of equipment. We have wonderful professional caregivers who teach us how to avoid and care for injuries and practice bison or rescue care in emergencies. We also have ocean and coastline experts who will share with us how we can be part of an early warning system to prevent harm to our beaches and favorite surf breaks. Although I've lived on the ocean all my life, I was a late starter in surfing and competitions. I had to learn about the maneuvers great surfers aspire to do, whether they are free surfing or competing. Let's start at the top. If you ask those new to competing what judges look for in competitions, you will hear them say speed, power, and flow. However, there are four more criteria. The five criteria judges in the World Surf League who judge professional surfers on the championship tour use are commitment and degree of difficulty, innovative and progressive maneuvers, wave selection, variety of maneuvers, and speed, power, and flow. Let's hear an excerpt from Eric Kramer, the technical director for the Olympic surf competition for this upcoming Olympics in Tahiti 2024. I had the honor of being coached by Eric Kramer in Costa Rica, which was terrific. He and the Olympic judge, Luli Pereira, have a video on YouTube describing judging in the last Olympics. We have pretty much three uh, basic maneuvers on surfing. There's the turns, it's like a snap. Sally off the bottom, there's that first snap. What, when you're looking at a snap, one of the things you really want to look at is how the line is on the wave. And when I say the line, like the line that the surfer is choosing when they ride through the face of the wave. And so you're really looking at, is the line that comes out of the bottom turn more vertical or more horizontal? It all depends where you do that turn on the wave. You can do a snap out in the face, like a not in the critical part of the wave, or you can do a snap really close to the critical part. Normally, the better maneuvers are and get more points when executed near the critical part of the wave or near the impact zone. The critical part is the section of the wave where it's steepest. Turns done here get more points than those done towards the shallower ends of the wave. The most difficult turns are the ones done in the impact zone, where the wave is breaking and hitting the water. The other type of maneuvers are the maneuvers that are performed above the lip of the wave, the airs. Normally for airs we're looking for height and extension. Two aerial maneuvers you're bound to see often in any surfing competition are the Air 360 and Air Reverse. With an Air 360, the surfer does a full turn in the air. An Air Reverse is similar, but the surfer only turns 180 degrees in the air and then finishes the rotation in the water. And then the other factors are you're going to look at is how high above the lip was it? And then you're also going to look at the critical section that it was done in. Was it off of the lip of the wave or was it off the very end of the closeout? The other major factor would be control. And then there's the, the barrels that perform inside the wave where the surfers disappear. One of the main factors is how deep you were. Could the judges see you the whole time or could they see your shoulder? 
and how long were you disappeared for and then how did you come out? Now that you have a general understanding of how to watch these maneuvers, here's how the competition will unfold at the Olympics. The Olympics we have uh, 40 surfers, 20 men and 20 women. Over the course of two initial rounds, the 20 surfers compete in what are called heats or time sessions, with the 16 highest scoring surfers advancing. At that point, the surfers go to head-to-head -head elimination rounds to determine the gold, silver, and bronze medal winners. The heat is like uh, 30 minutes or more, and depending on the conditions, then we can allow 35 or 40 minutes. You can catch like as many waves you want, but only your two best is gonna count for the final score. So you can catch 15 waves and I can only catch two, and I can win the heat because I got the two high scores. Five judges score each wave that a surfer rides on, on a scale from zero to 10, and they can use tenths of a point. The three middle scores are averaged, and that is the surfer's score for that wave. Yeah, we, we have those key elements that the, the panel analyzes when scoring. From top to bottom, it's like commitment and degree of difficulty. And the commitment would be more where you're doing your maneuvers on the wave. So usually if you're doing your maneuvers in the critical section, they're gonna have a higher degree of difficulty. And then the second one is innovative and progressive maneuvers. And that kind of brings out the futuristic um, types of surfing. And then combination of maneuvers. Basically what the judges are really looking for is to see a clean performance. It's more difficult to have a really big maneuver and connect it right into another big maneuver. And then variety of maneuvers. Which means showing different kinds of maneuvers, not doing the same thing. And then speed, power, and flow. Usually the more speed that you're surfing with, the more your surfing is rewarded. The power makes your surfing look more mature and it has a, a different look to it. You'll see more water displaced when it's more power surfing. Flow is, it's like the natural art of surfing. It's its the beauty of it. It's, everything is very beautiful. Everything is harmonic with the wave that they're riding. Now you have the tools to judge when something is good or great or out of this world amazing. All surfers need to understand the potential risks of fin cuts from their own surfboard and others. The following story is a wake-up call for advanced surfers who seek the perfect wave in remote locations. And tragedy in the surfing world with pro surfer Michaela Jones dying at age 44 after a fatal accident while surfing in Indonesia on Sunday. According to a report by Surfline, all signs point to a severing of the artery, femoral artery, likely from a surfboard fin. However, the exact details behind the accident are still unclear. Jones's daughter, Isabella, took to Instagram in a touching tribute writing, my dad got into a bad surfing accident and didn't make it. I'm happy he was doing what he loved most. Life will never be the same without you, end quote. Legendary surfer Kelly Slater also paid tribute saying, sobering moment, maybe, maybe nobody lived this life better. Incredible guy and surfer. Friends say McCullough was surfing with a few friends off the Mentawise Sunday morning. According to a friend on the boat, McCullough had a deep cut on his leg. They put a tourniquet on him and raced him to shore. But the nearest hospital was more than 45 minutes away by boat and land. McCullough did not survive. He barely talked. What he did, it was something meaningful. And um, he just had the best soul, the best heart. And he didn't really care about getting shots in the magazine or chasing after contests. He, he's a, a true 
to the bottom soul surfer and went on gnarly missions. Friends say Jones loved going to secret spots in Indo, trying to find the perfect barrel. He was an innovator with the GoPro camera, and he would take photos and videos of himself uh, holding the GoPro behind him back before everybody kind of started doing it a lot. He was very loved, um, just the most humble, um, just giving guy, you know, he's just always smiling, always there for people, and um, everybody loved him. Ryan Moss started filming with Makala in 2010 and went on several off-the-beaten-surf trips with him. Just loved every moment, and every moment we were there doing it, like his face was like completely glowing. His friends say he died doing what he loved. There's not a lot you can control when you're getting ragdolled and, and somersaulting under that whitewash. And, you know, the kind of waves you like to surf are powerful and intense and explosive. So his board must have got caught under his leg or under his groin as he was going over and the impact, you know, something like that. But it's just really unfortunate. We all like... I guess, accept the risk that it's always in the cards, but you never really think it's going to be that person or like that person. Cause you see so much reckless stuff happen every day to people who are like way less qualified or way less prepared than these guys. And um, yeah, it was just, it was really shocking. Jones leaves behind a wife and three children. That was a very sad story. The following story happened just an hour away from where I live and surf, but it had a happier ending. About three weeks ago, we went surfing. It's a regular evening sunset surf session. Allie Breitner was part of that group. It was just supposed to be kind of an instant sunset surf. She and Alec were paddling on a wave. But 10 minutes into their surf session, Allie fell over. I remember coming up from the water, and then within five seconds, I felt the excruciating pain, um, but I didn't really register that the fin went through my leg. The fin on her surfboard had sliced her thigh and severed her femoral artery. Within 20 seconds, she passed out. And I saw the wound, and I could see um, pretty deep into her leg, so I knew it was pretty serious, and the blood was squirting, which means arterial, so I just knew I need to get her out of the water as fast as I could. The wound was so deep, she lost three liters of blood. There's some moments that were pretty frightening. Alec quickly carried her into the sand where he applied a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. I asked somebody to go find me a surf leash or any kind of cloth and, and uh, somebody nearby brought me a surf leash. They detached it from a surfboard, um, so just wrapped it around her leg a couple times and then made a little loop. You need to put a, a stick through this loop so you can crank it. Um, so I had somebody go grab me a stick as well. He held it in place until lifeguards and paramedics arrived. Alec learned that technique as a Marine. It was just really scary and I don't, I wasn't prepared. So I'm just really thankful that Alec was prepared and had that training. Ali was taken to Scripps Memorial Hospital in La Jolla, where she was taken in for immediate surgery. Doctors took out the vein out of her left leg to repair the femoral artery and close the wound with 46 staples, an experience she says she does not wish on anyone. If there's anything that anyone can take from this, it's to be more aware of the board you have and the fins because although it was a freak accident, if they were more like of a rubber fin, I don't think it would have severed my femoral artery or cut through as much. Um, it's just very unfortunate, but I'm thankful that everyone was there and reacted the way they did. Every surfer and beachgoer needs to know what to do to save someone from severe bleeding. 
The American College of Surgeons Stop the Bleed program we teach for free and most medical centers teach for free is just what everyone needs to take. If they have tourniquets in their surf kit, they will be prepared. We teach everyone from 8 to 80. Everyone from third graders and older can learn the skills to help save lives. Nick Shield is a world-class paddleboarder and a world-class lifeguard. Let's hear what he has to say about how to save lives. Nick, can you tell us about your background as a lifeguard, ski patrol, salvage diver, and world-class paddleboarder? Yeah, thanks, Charlie. I, uh, you know, I've been really fortunate. I think I have a bit of an affinity for anything water, uh, whether that's the ocean or I guess more recently kind of the frozen water as snow. But growing up, I've been coastal in Southern California, and I've always kind of looked up to those folks who are really leading the way um, on the beach. And that was the lifeguards to me. I grew up paddleboarding. I'm kind of raised the sport started and got into the competitive scene there. And then it translated to lifeguarding and diving, um, which I did for a really long time, uh, nine years this year. And then uh, I ski patrolled for a couple of years. And that was really sort of like the the cherry on top, which brought it all together. I got to, you know, essentially professionally ski, get paid to ski, which not many people can say, um, as well as working on the beach and, you know, professionally helping folks in, in just sort of every facet of that water environment, which has been such a fortune of mine to, to participate in all of that. That's really cool. Thank you so much. If you could talk to families about safety as their groms start surfing, what would you have to say to them? Yeah, I would say the most important thing, Charlie, is really just to pay attention to where you are. Um, there's so many hazards that I think um, are avoidable just by common sense, right? You've got rocks, you've got piers, you have jetties. Um, those things are, are quite obvious. And I think a lot of people tend to just go where they see other folks. Um, but don't necessarily look to see the broader picture of what's out there. I think the biggest thing is just to try to use your common sense, be observant, look for things that don't seem right. And then, uh, you know, do whatever you think is best to sort of prevent unnecessary risk. And I think a really good thing you can do as well is to go talk to the folks who are around you, um, whether that is a lifeguard who's on duty. I think that's your best resource. That's what we're paid to do is to interface with the public explain where the best places to be are, where you can experience the most fun, um, have the most enjoyable and safe day on the beach, as we always say. That's what we're, we're there for. We're there both to prevent emergencies, to respond to emergencies, but most of all, just to interface with the public and make sure that everyone is set up for success in their day on the beach. So I think if you're going down to the beach um, with your Grom, you're starting out, those are my two big tips. It's going to be have common sense, be observant of your surroundings, and then Use the resources at your disposal and, and the people who are around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's some really good advice for sure about obvious situations turning into uh, bad situations for grand moms. So, yeah, thank you. What is your advice to young surfers about surfing alone if they don't have a buddy near them? I think it really goes back to that common sense thing. Um, you really got to know what you're doing if you're deciding to surf alone. You got to put yourself in the safest possible area where there's the, the least risk. It's all, you know, risk avoidance at the end of the day. You can choose to go surf that little um, beach break that's close to shore uh, and, and maybe isn't close to all the big hazards that might be closer to a jetty or something like that. Uh, if you're going to be alone, I think you got to pick the wave, the spot, whatever that's most accessible, where there's going to be more 
strangers or other people around where you're not truly alone. You're not the only person in the water. You're not going to just be out there to your own devices. I think having other people around is really important there as well. I see. So yeah, finding a really safe environment. So something were to go wrong, you're not completely alone. That's really cool. Yeah, I know a lot of kids my age and me myself, and we always want to score some really good ways with nobody around. But what's a really important tip or what's a really good idea, like maybe telling a friend where you are or a parent? Is that really important to do to help prevent a situation from going wrong? Yeah, I'll take a little saying um, actually from Ski Patrol to really shake things up, not from the beach, but people a lot of times will say, you know, there's no friends on a powder day or something like that. But those are honestly the times where you you want to have a friend. That's the people who can look out for you if something goes awry. Um, but let's say you did go out and you surfed alone. I think something important to do beforehand is to let a family member or a friend know where you're going to be for how long you're going to be there and maybe when they could expect to hear from you. Um, that way, if they don't hear from you, they know to to try to find you or or seek help. And on the flip side of that, you don't want them to be worried unnecessarily too. Um, I've had more calls from missing swimmers that are treated like drownings um, that are just somebody misplacing a friend or family member from the plan that they thought was established than there were actually drownings. We have them all the time, a couple of times a month where someone will call in and say, oh, you know, my, my son, he's 16 years old. He went to surf you know, on his own and he didn't return. Well, he's just walking and getting a cheeseburger with his friends or something like that. And we end up bringing a ton of resources down um, really just uh, for none. A lot of times it's taking resources from other things we need to be doing too. So I think you're preventing both, you know, you yourself uh, in case you were to get hurt, you're preventing someone from never knowing that you are gone, but you're also preventing someone from becoming worried about you unnecessarily. And I think, I think that's important just as much. Yeah. That's a really cool point that you brought up of how resources can be taken away that are really needed to help save lives in another situation. And we can help prevent that by just saying what's up to one of your friends or family members saying, Oh yeah, I'm surfing here from this time to this time. If you don't hear me, hear from me, just reach out. So, yeah, have a plan and stick to that plan. And if you're going to go back out, just keep people updated. Yeah, that's really cool. You have some remarkable saves. Are there any lessons that you've learned from any of these that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think 90% of the rescues that I've been involved with are truly preventable um, if like the right common sense is taken into account in the beginning. Obviously, the ocean's a really, really dynamic environment. You can't possibly predict everything that's going to go on. Um, but thinking about the small scale things you can do to sort of minimize whatever those risks are, it's staying within your ability level, first and foremost, knowing your own limits. Um, it's swimming in front of an open lifeguard tower or at least around people who are gonna be able to offer you assistance should something happen. It's also knowing how to swim. If you're on a surfboard, wearing a leash, that's your most important piece of safety equipment. In my opinion, you've got a really big flotation device now attached to you that you have, um, hopefully going nowhere that you can just 
keep a hold of one way or another, either with your hands or through that leash. Um, it also prevents it from going in and hitting someone else, which no one wants to hurt um, a fellow surfer out there in the water or swimmer. I think that the big key thing to take away from it all is you got to look out for yourself, for the others around you. And the, and the best way to do that is just by slowing down, thinking about your actions, thinking about what's around you, what's around others, and using that moment to just establish with yourself a plan to make sure you're minimizing any risks that you possibly can. And apart from that, you know, you're in nature. There's not a whole lot you can do, but if you can do what you can, it'll really make your ability to have a safe and enjoyable day, like I've continued to say, um, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good to know for sure about simplifying it, thinking about your situation and just being present in the moment. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, on the topic of life-saving, how important is it for us as bystanders at all these beach situations to know how to use CPR and the use of an AED? I think it's it's vitally important. Um, no matter where you are, there's going to be um, the opportunity that you may see someone who needs you to help uh, intervene in, in the case of a cardiac emergency. doesn't matter if you're on the beach, doesn't matter if you're in a grocery store or the airport. Um, these things happen. It's just a matter of statistics, right? Um, a certain percentage of people will have these sort of emergencies. And quite frankly, you're likely to encounter them just in life. So I think having the skills to be able to help others and not just be left helpless yourself in the face of a crisis. One, if it happens to someone who's close to you, you're going to be able to provide that sort of care that they need. But also if it's a stranger or someone you just stumble upon, you're going to be able to really make an impact in someone's life that you otherwise couldn't. You know, me personally, if I saw something happen to somebody, I would be pretty upset with myself if I couldn't help out to some degree. And I think everyone should really set themselves up to be able to do that as well. Uh, in terms of on the beach as a surfer, I think it's the courtesy that you'd want all your fellow surfers to have um, to provide to you as well. Again, like I said before, you're putting yourself in a really dynamic and quite frankly, pretty dangerous environment. Obviously, we have a lot in place to keep you safe um, in terms of public safety, like lifeguards, in terms of folks out there who hopefully are watching each other's back. But no matter how well you're watching someone, if you get them onto the beach and you can't provide that life-saving care, then it's kind of all for none. So if you have the opportunity to take a CPR class, definitely do it. There's so many different options out there. Um, so seek them out and at least be able to provide that basic level until emergency services can arrive and really take over. It's that first couple of minutes that makes the world a difference for people. And uh, there's there's so many antidotes on the beach, on the mountain, of the bystander really being the first and foremost rescuer who made the difference at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I really like that idea of it being like a common courtesy that you'd want everybody that you're surfing with, even now in the water that you don't know anybody to have. So yeah, I think that's a really cool idea for sure. Yeah. How important is it for us as surfers and people on the beach all the time to know stop the bleed seals to hopefully help save lives? I think it, it's hand in hand with the CPR and the AED skills. It's something you should have in your toolkit um, to be able to help yourself, to help others. 
we're surfing out there. Um, sometimes are really remote places. If you can't think about the fundamental skills that you learn in something like a stop the bleed class, uh, it's going to be really hard for you in a moment of fear or stress as you or yourself um, comes up severely injured to be able to really think about what you can utilize around you to, to stop a bleed. Um, obviously, the best case scenario is you have a first aid kit or something with you that you have um, even a lifeguard or something close by. But in reality, we're all seeking out um, the, the waves off the beaten path, you know, and it it's something you need to know um, because it's going to let you surf another day, right? Uh, you've got fins, you got the nosy aboard, there's rocks, there's coral, there's all kinds of things that can that can cut you up, some far worse than others. Um, but you need to be able to establish that baseline skill set to set yourself up, to safely surf, to safely go about these areas that are really, really out there um, and stay alive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's super important, especially going to all these remote places and uh, third world countries as well as like having your own supplies that you can actually help save lives or save yourself if need be. So yeah, it's really cool to hear. Yeah, definitely. I always uh, keep a well-stocked first aid kit in my car and, you know, sometimes you, you hope it's even closer than that, but I think that's a good start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what about opioid overdoses? They've been a really big problem in recent years. Should everybody know how to use Narcan to hopefully save lives through it? I think everyone needs to have those tools in their toolkit for any situation they might come across. And unfortunately, you know, this is something that's becoming more prevalent. I think uh, if you can gain that skill set, gain that knowledge, um, have Narcan at your disposal, whether that's in a personal kit or um, through uh, a nearby provider, I think it, it's important to at least understand what you can do to try to reverse um, someone who's having an overdose. It Again, it, it goes back to being able to help those around you as best as you can and not just be um, a helpless bystander, but actually um, an active lifesaver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important too. Yeah, and also, how is it like being a water patrolman for big names like Kyle Lenny out at Cortez Bank? How was that? Uh, it was really cool, Charlie. It, you know, there were there were all kinds of folks out there. I was out there with Chuck Patterson and and Izzy Gomez, and just to watch them surf waves of that size and with that much power was pretty awe inspiring. Um, I consider myself to be a, a very strong waterman, and and seeing waves of that size was pretty intimidating um, and incredible. It was it was awesome to be a part of a really, really good team out there, um, keeping everybody safe. It's definitely something I hope I can do a little bit more of in the future. Uh, it was, I can't even put words to how incredible it was watching those guys out there um, doing their thing. Yeah, and it sounds incredible and I hopefully will experience the same. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much for all you do for us and giving us the advice to hopefully save lives through this podcast. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Charlie. It was a great talk to you as always. I appreciate your uh, your mission here with the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. See you later, Nick.
Thank you for your attention today. We want to thank our speakers and those who have produced great content for us. Remember, if you want to surf great, surf safe. See you guys next time.